2: gentlemen, the man song. He's the man. He's the man. I don't take no crap from anybody else but you. I wear the pants around here when I finish with your laundry. Because I'm a guy you don't want to fight. When I say jump, you say you're yeah, right. I'm the man of this house until you get home. Uh, he's the man. He's the man. What I say goes around here, right out the window. And I don't want to hear a lot of whining, so I'll shut up. The sooner you learn who's boss around here, the sooner you can give me my orders, dear. Because I'm head honcho around here, but it's all in my head.
0: He's the man. He's the man.
2: And I can have sex any time that you want. Cause I'm a man who has needs, but they're not that important. (laughs) And don't expect any flowers from me, cause if I'm not mistaken, you prefer jewelry. (laughs) I'm the king of my castle when you're not around. (laughs) He's the man.
0: He's the man.
2: And I'll drink and watch sports whenever I want to get in trouble. And I'll come home when I'm good and ready to sleep on the couch. Because a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And I'm going to do what you tell me to. Because I'm top dog around here, but I've been neutered. He's the man.
3: And that song is dedicated to my producer, the one and only Craig West. Dr. Rita Louise is our guest, and... uh,
4: (laughs) I like that song, Rob. But I have to tell you, you, let me just... um, You know, you listen to it and you laugh, but if your spouse, and you were talking about men that are abused, but Mm -hmm. if your spouse is the one that leaves you feeling that way then maybe their relationship isn't healthy.
3: I agree, but like you and I were talking before, that people get into a rut. They'd rather stay with the devil they know than to actually go out and either feel as if they have to start their own lives over again, they're insecure, they don't know what to do. And we were talking about you know cooking before. My God, what are people going to do now where they can't go into a restaurant and sit down for a meal where they actually have to cook at home. How is this going to affect the family dynamics now with everything that's going on with the corona pandemic?
4: You mean they might have to talk to each other isn't and that interact?
3: My God, isn't that strange? Eh?
4: I mean, I'm just so glad that I enjoy cooking and know how mm-hmm. to cook and taught my children how to cook and they yeah. enjoy cooking. And, you know, so I feel good about that. But, it, There are so many that don't. You know, I have have a girlfriend who they bought an air fryer. They love it. And she started buying those like kits in a box, Mm -hmm. you know, that has all the stuff cut up. And she's like and she's sending me pictures like, look, I cooked this because she was so excited because (laughs) she really has never in her adult life cooked anything other than like fried food things. In her air fryer. Kind of scary.
3: It sure is. But mind you, if they're happy, who cares? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do we go from here as a society with relationships? Here's a question for you. Do dating services, online
4: services really work? Mm -hmm. This is my opinion. I mean, I well, I mean, I've met a lot of people through dating services, mm-hmm. have married several. <laughs> so that's yeah you know that's a good and a bad thing, depending on what you think about me. Um, I think that for individuals, and I'm gonna say over forty, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a better situation. You know, there might be people that you work with but you don't get around as much. You're not taking classes in college. And so your circle of friends becomes much smaller. And so it creates a safe place to meet people. Now you might meet good people, you might meet not good people, but it gives you an opportunity to at least audition them um, versus meeting somebody in a bar that You know, could turn out to be good, but it could turn out that they have a drinking issue, which you might not be in agreement to. Um, And so it gives you the time and the opportunity to check somebody out, see if their personality is something that you would even be interested in, Mm -hmm. taking it to the next step, taking it to the next level. You know, and I find that it gives you the opportunity to to become their friend Um, before going anywhere else because you can tell you can tell the way people type i mean just you know going on facebook or you know people texting back and forth that okay they can't spell all right i can't spell but um (laughs) you know but you can you can tell like if someone has is intelligent or not or well spoken or not and just get a sense of who people are via dating sites and again i think people over 40 it it really is the way to go to be exposed to people outside of bars and church.
3: Well, here's my take on it. I've got a friend who went on a dating site and she used an airbrush photo. And anybody who met her in person would never believe it's the same person as the photo she used on her on her face on her uh, dating profile. Number one. Number two. Number two, you go to a bar, you see the person as they really are. The drunker they get, the more realistic they get. Hey, if you want to go with that, go with it. At least you see the person for who they really are. You don't see a digital imprint of someone who is putting there what they would like to be, not what they really are.
4: I'm hearing you. So, with the bar situation, mm-hmm. all right, this is my opinion. With yeah. the bar situation, you maybe meet them once. Oh, I'm sorry, I would never give somebody a number. I would need to know them more before having them come that far into my life. As far as the fake photo, I will bet your friend never got a second date. <laughs> actually, she
3: actually, she had that. you're right, she didn't, but she had better luck in the bars.
4: Well, that's because she had a fake picture. You know, in in the book, The Dysfunctional Dance of the Mm -hmm. Empath and Narcissist, I talk about ending a relationship with a narcissist and then starting over, and then you're ready to get back on the horse and start dating again. And I do recommend in the book that people try dating sites. But I have this whole, like, page about don't use fake pictures because there is not anything worse then going to meet your your date to find out that the picture that they posted was 10, 15, 20 years old, and you might have looked you know cute and hot when you were younger, but now look, there's this one guy that was on this dating site, and his picture, it looked old, was okay. I mean, not great, but it was okay. And then you kind of scroll through his other pictures, and it was like he put on 200 pounds. and it was like... <laughs> You know, block. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> Bait and switch. Um, you know, because you can go on the date. I mean, I tell people go to Starbucks. It's a five dollar date. You meet during the daytime. It's in a public place, and once you're done with your coffee, you can go.
3: Yeah, but you can't go to Starbucks anymore. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, you know, you can't go to any public places anymore. So at this point in time, um, I'm going to say that, like, new dating is on hold. (laughs) (laughs) Smarty. Sorry about that.
3: (laughs) I, I just couldn't help it. I really couldn't, you know. Oh, I'm just waiting for the day that the uh, that this uh, that the cell communications go down, with all the kids going crazy because they've got, they won't know what to do. My 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 cell, my my cell phone's not working. What do I do? Jeez, talk to somebody and don't use LOL, OMG, or GFYS. Talk to them for God's sake.
4: Or or go outside and like walk around and explore nature yeah. or read a. book book oh, there, or there. you know do those things clean your parents house <laughs> <Cut> <laughs> they'd like you the, for that
3: how about this one cut the grass so that when you get into a relationship you know exactly what your part and your share in that relationship entails
4: Mm-hmm. so you can find the dog
3: <laughs> who does who like so tell i've got about 45 seconds before we have to say so long so what happened to the dog you know if the grass is cut, the dog doesn't go pee.
4: Pretty well, so after I got rid of that husband, I moved into a townhouse. And well, she, there were times I had a toy poodle that you couldn't even see the dog because the grass was so long. <laughs> true true story and so i moved into a townhouse and she wouldn't pee or poop on the grass and it was edged with monkey grass and she would go into the monkey grass to do her business because it was long and she could kind of get into it true
3: story uh, hey dr rita louise you and i have to <laughs> say so long for tonight as always a great pleasure talking to you i wish you continued success you are a gem in a in a world filled with coal at times and it's always Thanks, great Rob. having you on the show. Take care of yourself, my dear friend.
4: All right. Bye.
3: Bye-bye, sweetie. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guests this hour, the one and only Dr. Rita Louise, visit uh, these three websites, soulhealer.com, medical-intuitives.com, and appliedenergeticsinstitute.com. What a lady. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, rob mcconnell from our broadcast center and studios where in niagara ontario canada i'm rob mcconnell whatever you do don't go away And welcome one and all to The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call The Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on The Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and Simul Radio and Simul TV. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exone Radio TV. and for the programming that we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, it's www.xzbn.net. However, during these times of the coronavirus and all the breaking news that we carry here on our sister stations, there are times when... The scheduled programming will be interrupted for breaking news concerning the coronavirus and how it is going to affect certain areas of our listening audience. And if you'd like to find out more about the Exxon TV channel on Simultv, visit www.simultv.com. Exonation, my guest this hour, is a young lady we've had the pleasure of having on the show before, and her name is Dr. Rita Louise, a survivor of childhood abuse herself. Dr. Rita Louise has emerged as a gifted empath and talented clairvoyant medical intuitive. She is a naturopathic physician and the founder of the Institute of Applied Energetics that trains students in the art of medical intuition, intuitive counseling, and energy medicine. She has authored six books and produced several feature-length and short films, Dr. Louise has appeared on radio, television, and in the movies, and has lectured on health and healing, ghosts, intuition, ancient mysteries, and the paranormal. Her, book, uh, her books and articles have had and enjoy worldwide circulation. Joining me now is Dr. Rita Louise, and Dr. Rita Louise, welcome back to the X-Zone.
4: Thanks for having me, Rob. It's always a pleasure being here with you and your listeners. Thank
3: you so much, uh, Dr. Rita. Tell us uh, what have you been up to since you and I have last talked? in? You know, I see it, books: "Dysfunctional Dance of the Empath and the Narcissist," "Stepping Out of Eden," "E.T. Chronicles," "Why Myths and Legends Have to What What Why Myths and Legends Have to Say About uh, Human Origins," "Dark Angels," "Avoiding the Cosmic Two by 4 the power within your videos. Holy cow, where do you get time to do anything?
4: (laughs) Well, some people suggest that I might perhaps be a little bit of a workaholic.
3: Not you. (laughs) Say it isn't so. No,
4: it's not true. I didn't
3: think it was.
4: (laughs) Actually, you know, I enjoy working. You know, I have a very creative piece to myself. Mm -hmm. And so writing, putting together videos, doing research – I love doing it. So it doesn't seem like work. What's it seem like? Fun. Kind of like, <laughs> I mean, cause I, I, I have come to the conclusion that I like solving puzzles. So whether it's solving the puzzle of yeah. why my webpage isn't working the way I want it to, mm-hmm. or um, digging into research about different topics, you know, I, I just dig it.
3: I guess life itself is one big puzzle.
4: It is. And, you know, with everything going on these days, Mm -hmm. it's uh, a little hard to keep up.
3: (laughs) It certainly is. Let me ask you something, Dr. Rita. Your previous books have been about health and healing and ghosts and ancient mysteries. Why did you decide to write a book about healing dysfunctional relationships?
4: Um, You know, it's a really interesting question, Rob, because... What I found out was that I was just in a series of very dysfunctional relationships. Imagine that, me. And, um, and when I came to the realization of what I was allowing to happen in my life, mm-hmm. uh, it was like, you know, one of those giant light bulb moments. And I realized that I needed to fix me. And I decided to take people along on my journey. You know, and so and, and the way that came out, it makes it sound like this book might be like a memoir, which it's not, you know, because <laughs> I just can't even imagine writing that. Um, but it was my investigation into why people get into unhealthy relationships, um, this whole dynamic between empathic people, which I very much am, and the toxic people they, they seem to get in relationships with. And then what you can do to not have that happen and heal yourself so that you can have a happy and healthy relationship with someone.
3: Are there those people? Now, I know for a fact that I'm one of these people who found love at first sight. My wife and I have been together for eons. We have six children. Our eldest daughter daughter is 46. Would you believe that? And our eldest granddaughter is 24. And we have, uh, let me see, 13 grandchildren. So how come there are some people who can find love right away? Like, as soon as I saw my wife, I knew she was the one. And there are those people who, well, just aren't as fortunate as we are.
4: Um, well, I don't know that I have a very good answer specifically for that. Mm-hmm. I would be one of the not-so-fortunate ones. So I have been married four times. Uh, I will take the claim that my last husband, who was great died so i don't really like count that in my bad fortune, Well, you
3: shouldn't for heaven's sake you know
4: sake. no and he was a good he was a keeper and it was like really <laughs> i finally found a keeper and you died on me that's not right um but i think you know the premise that i came to or the thought that i came to is that people that grew up in an unhealthy household mm-hmm. you know a toxic household brings those beliefs and brings those acceptances into their further relationships. And so if you grew up in a household where there was a lot of screaming and yelling, then you just assume that screaming and yelling in the house is what happens. And you don't see it as being unhealthy. And so you learn Mm -hmm. to accept things that aren't really in your best interest, aren't the healthiest things for you. And so many people that get into these unhealthy relationships don't necessarily know what right looks like.
3: It, it sounds as if that there's a lot of mental programming that's going on in the early and informative years of our of our childhood. That what we see, whether the whether it is good or bad, is what we perceive as normal. Very much
4: so. When we come onto the planet, we're kind of like an empty slate. And so as we're being raised in our family of origin, Mm -hmm. that's what teaches us this is okay or this is not okay. You know, like in my family, there was a certain amount of physical abuse that happened. And I knew, you know, after I moved out, that if I was with someone and they laid a hand on me, I was being abused. I knew that much. But there's other kinds of abuse that is much more, You know, the word that's coming to mind, insidious, you know, being verbally abused, being mentally abused. You know, I haven't had this issue, but there are many people, many women in particular, that experience financial abuse, which was a new one to me, where they get into a relationship and they don't have a job and they uh, get an allowance. They get money from their spouse who can withhold it from them. And make it so that they don't have any choices that they can make, you know. So they become very financially dependent on the other person. But
3: isn't so, it true, Doctor Rita, that there are also men who suffer abuse that women have historically been? Uh, you know, everyone's been aware that women, for the majority of the time, are the abused, and yet now with people uh, coming forward. We're finding that a lot of men have also been abused in marriages and relationships.
4: Oh, very much so. It is definitely not a gender-based situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a lot of really great guys who get taken advantage of and, you know, end a relationship and they've been wiped out. Their reputation's ruined and now they're paying alimony to someone who was mean and vicious to them and you know i've heard stories of men being hit yeah. by their spouses or all yeah, all kinds of things it is definitely not a one-way street
3: and that comes from experience on my end having been in the police force uh, on patrol and responding to these calls where not only is the woman the the abused but the husband has been the abused and the wife has been the abuser. Listen, uh, Dr. Rita, you and I have to take our first break. Please stand by. And Exo Nation, Dr. Rita Louise is our very special guest this hour. And if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Rita Louise, visit her website. It's www. Now hurry up, get your pencil, some paper. All right. Ready? www.soulhealer.com She also has medical-intuitives.com and Applied Energetics Institute. And uh, the good doctor and I will return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Rita Louise is my special guest this hour. SoulHealer.com is one site. Medical-Intuitives.com is another site. And Applied AppliedEnergeticsInstitute.com is her third site. Uh, you know, you and I have been talking about relationships uh, this, uh, this uh, hour so far. And is, isn't, it, isn't it fair to say that both sides have to work at making a relationship work? You have to take the good with the bad?
4: You know, it's kind of a dual-edged sword on that whole concept. You know, you definitely have to work to make a relationship happen. Every, you know, each person is going to have good days. Each person's going to have bad days. Mm-hmm. You know, one person might get sick or they might have to, like, work a lot of overtime. I mean, things happen yeah. to people and happen in a relationship. But it doesn't mean that you have to tolerate someone's bad behavior. And I get the impression, you know, from my research that many people don't recognize where the line is from being helpful and taking responsibility for someone else's stuff. And when they need to back off and say, you need to take care of this yourself.
3: All right. So in your opinion and based on your research and based on your expertise, what are some of these Telling signs that people should watch out for?
4: Um, well, I think the first thing is if you're in a relationship and you are unhappy for a long time, mm-hmm. that's usually a pretty good indicator that you need to reevaluate what's going on. Again, if someone's sick, if there are extenuating real circumstances, um, then that needs to be taken into account. But many times if you're in an unhealthy relationship, especially in a relationship with a narcissist, um, they tend to make promises and then they don't keep them. And then they'll make another promise and not keep it. Like, um, well, I'll, I'll mow the yard tomorrow, but then it doesn't happen. Or I'll go to counseling, but then it doesn't happen. Or they go one time or they find excuses to change what's going on in you know, what what the plan is, Um, you know, if you find that you are constantly worrying or taking responsibility for someone else's stuff, um, whether it's taking care of everything around the house, being the one who's financially responsible because your partner is constantly out of work um, or they might have a drinking problem. And so you're covering up for their again, their bad behavior. You know, it's really about setting and creating boundaries and then holding them, you know, identifying what's important to you Mm -hmm. and then making the other person step up to the plate and meet them. And if they're not willing to do it, then that's a huge red flag that maybe you need to evaluate it from a different place.
3: But could the fact that the guy doesn't want to do the lawn today and the next day, could there be circumstances that he's saying, well, hell, if you're not going to do the housework and you're going to say you're going to do the housework or you're going to clean it later, why the hell should I cut the grass?
4: Good point. Um, and I think if both people are procrastinating mm-hmm. and not doing anything, then that's, a, that's fair enough. I know, and I'll just use myself as okay. an example. Um, so in one of my marriages the one who wouldn't cut the grass, um, wasn't working. So I was supporting the family. I was also doing all of the housework. And my dog learned to pee in tall grass. And so she would only pee in tall grass because our grass was always so long in the yard. And what was he doing? He was sitting on his computer playing text twist. You know, so in these unhealthy dynamics Mm -hmm. usually what happens is one person takes on the burden and the other person does nothing you know or very little you know and they say that relationships are supposed to be 50 50 and even if the relationship dynamic is maybe a little more 60 40 or whatever if something is going on with one of the people the other person should step up to the plate or at least try to step up to the plate and fill that gap. But when you're in an unhealthy relationship, one person will let the other person do everything and the other person does nothing. You know, and I've seen situations in like this where you have one person, so I'll use your example, so I'm not cleaning anything and the house is a mess, and so now you don't want to mow the lawn because I'm not doing anything.
3: Yeah, it sounds like a contest more than a relationship.
4: Correct not healthy
3: no then why stay in it
4: well that's kind of the million-dollar question but there are countless people both men and women that will stay in a relationship where they're not happy you know they stay because of the children they stay because of financial situations they stay because they're afraid to make the change they're afraid to be alone or that they might not be able to find someone else I mean, I find it very sad where, you know, and I'm gonna use women again, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they marry some guy that makes a lot of money and they're miserable, but they won't leave because then they would have to go get a job and take care of themselves and they would not be able to live in the lifestyle in which they become accustomed. Yes, but how, many,
3: like, but how many women have been told by their mothers that they should marry somebody with money so they'll be secure? Because the mother her the mother, Uh, of the person who's giving, who's getting the advice was never satisfied by the financial situation that she was in when she was married. So who do you blame? Do you blame the kid or do you blame the mother for giving false information?
4: But that's part of that programming that I was talking about. I mean, I think women, and this is why I kind of focus more Mm -hmm. on women. I mean, they are taught from an early age to put up and shut up and do all of this stuff you know because it's your responsibility to take care of the home and so <laughs> you know and it's programmed into you you know to have your partner wash the dishes is like you know it's not something that you were taught growing up you know that it was always your responsibility to take care of all that stuff well, once, and so, once,
3: once again you know I, I'm listening to all this and and I'd say,, that's not the way it was in my household when I was growing up, Mum and but dad that's why,
4: but you've been married for, I don't know how many years and have six kids and thirteen grandchildren. Yeah, <laughs> Which is probably why you attracted someone that had healthy values and healthy boundaries, and you were able to work through and negotiate through. Uncomfortable and stressful situations to make the relationship work.
3: Yeah, I just say yes, dear, and do what she says. That's works for me.
4: (laughs) Good answer. answer. That's what she keeps (laughs) saying too.
3: No, I'm kidding there about that. But when I hear these these stories, you know, of, of, of of how women have been programmed by their mothers, is it you know like? Where does responsibility of society lie in trying to act as a buffer or a deprogramming uh, institution when it comes to false information and false programming that people are getting from their parents?
4: There is none. I mean, our parents are supposed to teach us what the world is about, what is safe in the world, what is good in the world. But Mm -hmm. if your parents come from, and many times, you know, the parents, came from dysfunctional families themselves, so they don't really have the tools to pass that on to their children. They don't have the knowledge, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have the experience, and so you find these situations being multi-generational, where the bad behavior just gets passed on. Oh, well, but, you know, that's how your grandmother did it. Like, okay. (laughs) Doesn't mean it's right.
3: That's true. So how do these people get their lives back together? How can they start enjoying a truly fulfilling life, a life that makes them happy?
4: I think the first thing is to stop and acknowledge where you are and what's going on and then look at your history. One of the things that I have found in this research is that it's all about the programming. And so by breaking down the programming, you know, and what your personal programming, you know, so if growing up, you um, were left to feel that you were stupid or you were ugly or incompetent or that you didn't matter or you have abandonment issues, it's like you have to look at what sets you off, what is going on inside. And once you can address that and start to heal that it changes your internal dynamic and so if you're with someone and they decide they don't want to mow the grass anymore you're going to have a different reaction to it and make different choices you know it's about giving you the opportunity to make better choices
3: all right please stand by dr rita you and i have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour at exo Nation, dr rita louise is my very special guest this hour here are some websites SoulHealer.com, Medical-Intuitives.com, and AppliedEnergeticsInstitute.com. And Dr. Rita Louise and I return on the other side of this news break. Don't go away.
5: Of Sasha Staley, yes,
3: you do. Dr. Rita Louise is my special guest this hour, ExoNation, www.soulhealer.com, that's site number one. Site number two, medical-intuitives.com, and site number three, appliedenergeticsinstitute.com is site number three. All right, so, you know, when I was going to high school, um, they had a class for the uh, young ladies if they wanted to take it, called Home Economics. And um, it seemed that in, in this class, from what I was able to gather from the young ladies who would feed us guys the cookies and all the other great stuff they, they'd make in home ec, that, that they were also taught, or they were also had discussions about life itself and what to look for in a good relationship and, you know, to differentiate between good and bad it and it seems here in the in the 2020s you know kids are left to uh figure things out on their own
4: i never took home ec so i I, (laughs) they offered it but not when i was at the school i took shop instead um and so maybe that was my mistake i should have taken home ec um There are a lot of things that they don't teach in school, which is really scary. Um, You know, you hear people talking about balancing your Mm -hmm. checkbook and learning how to cook food, which is becoming kind of a lost art, and just basic day-to-day living skills that are not taught. But then there's also being taught to listen to your own emotional self and being able to express what's going on inside and being able to navigate your inner world and thus being able to navigate your relationships and that whole area of our lives, it's like they just toss you into the sea of life without a user manual or it's in Chinese and you don't know what it says, but, um, and and you're just kind of left there to fend for yourself Mm -hmm. and figure it out.
3: All right. So what do we do about it?
4: Well, and I'm going to add one more thing and people don't talk about it because if you come from a crappy household, there's a whole lot of shame tied to it. You know, and putting together this book, I had to address my own shame and being able to come out and say, yeah, this is what happened to me. And so I think for some people, even looking to go get help and go work with a counselor or tell a friend about what's going on. They tend to not want to reveal what's going on in themselves, in their intimate relationships with people close to them because they're ashamed of it. And I think that that's another huge factor that needs to be looked at and addressed.
3: All right. So how do we look at it and how do we address it?
4: Well, and I think, you know, just accepting that your story is your story and you can't change it, you know, and so you can be ashamed of it. But there really isn't any point in that because all it does is it it takes a piece of you mm-hmm. and it sticks it behind a big, solid vault door and says, no one can look at this. No one can see this part of me. And so it kind of takes a, a part of your soul and locks it up forever.
3: But I don't understand how it can lock it up forever. The only person who can lock it up for forever is you. And if you lock it up forever, you're not facing your problems. You're you're hiding from your problems. So why not face it and fix it?
4: Well, but that's kind of the point is by, you know, owning it and accepting it and moving forward from that. Mm-hmm. You know, by looking deep into yourself and working on becoming authentic, with yourself, so the person I am on the inside is the same person that people see on the outside. You know, so uh, I, this is the example that I like to give because most people can get it. So you have this friend who is nonstop talk, blah, 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 blah. You know, and after 45 minutes, you're sitting there and your eyes are glazed over, and on the inside, you're saying to yourself, God, I wish they would just shut up or, you know, well, I got to go to the bathroom, but they're still talking and I'm not going to go. And so you're really not being authentic to yourself. You know, you're allowing this person to control all of the energy and inside you're going, shut up. You know, and so maybe you need to tell a white lie and say, you know, I got to go to the bathroom and then not come back. But at least you're not keeping yourself trapped in a situation that you don't want to be there anymore. But why
3: not just say, oh, for God's sake, get to the point. I'm bored.
4: Because a lot of people aren't authentic to themselves. That's usually the biggest issue is that there's all this stuff going on on the inside because they don't want to hurt the other person. They don't want to lose that person's love and affection, Hmm. even though they don't shut up. And so they'll tolerate it. You know, they were taught, they were trained to tolerate it. And just sit there and, you know, when you're talking about something like this, you know, I, I kind of relate that to someone that's an energy vampire. You you know, many of people that have been in abusive situations, they become a very good host to the other person and they just take it. They become narcissistic supply or the host to an energy vampire. Hmm. So is there any hope for these people? There is totally hope for these people. Um, because once you start looking at what you're doing, you can change it. You have the choice to not do the same behaviors again. But many people, it's like they don't even realize it. I mean, for me, Rob, I I didn't even know. You know, and you've mm-hmm. known me a long time, I sure you know, have. and I consider myself a pretty smart person as and I, I consider do you myself well, yeah. a pretty intuitive person, but mm-hmm. I was kind of blindsided by it because I just didn't see it. And I think when people can see it, when they can recognize when this happens or if I do th- yeah, when this happens and I do this, mm-hmm. that's not healthy. But if you don't even see the correlations and the relationship of what's going on, the dynamic of what's going on, you don't even have the opportunity to change it because you don't even know it's happening.
3: So you can't see the forest for the trees.
4: Exactly. And so, that's where the biggest part of the healing is. And then it's getting past your own fears, <laughs> which is huge. Huge. Huge.
3: So Did how, I say huge? I, I think you might have said huge once or twice. <laughs> So how did how did you get her, get past that point, Doctor Louise
4: Rita? <laughs> so um, so after all of this stuff happened, mm-hmm. I um, decided I wanted to test out my newfound information and signed up for a dating site, which was like, well, oh, this might be good. It might be the biggest mistake of my life, but I did it anyway. And I met this guy and he seemed very nice, but in the same breath, he could have been just a very nice narcissist nudging his way into my life so that down the road, he was going to turn around and turn into something else, which would have been bad. And, um, fortunately he has not. And, um, but it has put me, you know, there's what you can learn mm-hmm. and work on yourself. But when you're talking about a relationship, you can't fix the dynamics that you're experiencing in a relationship by yourself. And so this has been the best testing ground uh, because this relationship has put me through more paces of working on myself. I mean, I'm always working on myself, but this is working in a very different way. And... Um, it's still challenging, you know, it's, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, but it's giving me the opportunity to move forward in areas. You know, there are a lot of people who once they're burned in a relationship, they won't, they won't get back on the horse and they're afraid to do that. You know, that's obviously not one thing I'm afraid of. Uh, but it, it, has been providing me with the opportunity to heal on much, much deeper levels because now I have somebody reflecting back to me areas that I never would have considered before because now I'm aware and I'm looking and I'm evaluating and going, okay, so is this me or mm-hmm. is this something you're doing? And it's just taken you know, the whole healing aspect to a very different level, which has been great for me.
3: Because you have somebody who's actually telling you what they see because he's trying to be very kind, but yet he's saying, hey, listen, if you want this relationship to go on, I think you should know something about yourself. Is that that right?
4: Somewhat. Not from him, not... In this relationship, no, because usually I'm the one going, oh, well, I'm doing this and this. Um, for me, so something I needed mm-hmm. was just a soft place to land.
3: All right, stand by. We've got to take this final commercial break. And um, interesting conversation. Explanation, Dr. Rita Louise is our special guest. And her website is soulhealer.com. A second one is medical-intuitives.com. And her final website is... AppliedEnergeticsInstitute.com We'll be back after this break. Don't go away.
5: You live in a fancy apartment Off the boulevard Saint-Michel Where you keep Your Rolling Stones records And a friend Of Sacha Distel as yes you do But where do You go to my lovely When you're Alone